0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Listen up. All you ever ask for is an opportunity. You got it today. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now?
2: The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear, Be
3: aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me (laughs) want to Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I think
2: that i will still do it. <laughs> I can edit.
3: Oh God, fuck, dude. I'm such a little bitch. Don't isolate that.
2: Come on. Just open it.
3: Well I have it primed now. It was before I couldn't get my finger under there.
2: <laughs> well just hold it up and open it. There's a, it's with, called with my teeth? Like it's <laughs> called editing. Just open it, and try to keep the same energy. <clears throat>
4: okay,
3: I, I am your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was ESPN's Jeff Darlington, talking about the recent developments on the front of tra- NFL training camps getting the green light to open.
5: Welcome,
3: everybody! To the three hundredth edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger.
2: Drew, you know when we were when we do recordings, and you tell me, I don't save that. I'm saving that. <laughs> Another one of you screwing up an intro. You, you tried to crack a beer and do it simultaneously and you miss the crack and you're like well this this screwed we're gonna have to do it over again and no editing takes place kind of like last week when you breathed heavily into the mic and nobody knew what you were talking about because they didn't hear it because I cut that out
4: uh,
3: folks it has been 300 episodes of podcasting can you tell that Chris and I have become the like we are now firmly entrenched as the odd couple The Odd Couple of Buffalo Bills podcasting. Welcome, everybody, to our 300th episode.
2: Let's call it a celebration. It's drinks, debauchery, of Buffalo Bills talk. Drew, we got to start with last week. As soon as podcasting ended with last week's episodes, the Rockpile Report had a run-in with the law.
1: In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups the police who investigate crime, and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories.
2: That's right. If you go back to the schedule release episode, maybe about a minute 15, a minute and a half left, you hear banging. Now, you might think that was Drew on the table. Somebody was banging at my kitchen window. At 10.30 on a... When we record? Tuesday? Mm-hmm. On a Tuesday, 10.30 at night. So... I, you and I made this eye contact of like we heard that keep going because we're a minute left in recording so we finished the podcast and we're sitting at my kitchen table and we're just talking to who's just banged on my window at 10 30 like just through the like we didn't go to. The I door. thought you were gonna
3: get robbed. I was like, this is how they get you. They were like, hey, come outside.
2: Well, that's polite of them to knock before they rob. They were
3: knocking on your window telling you to come outside. And in my head, I go, this is how you get a white dude with a mohawk to stumble oh, outside like not- a
2: dummy. And then you beat him up and rob him. I, I do not have a mohawk. But they, they, they said from outside, they go, do you drive that red Mazda? I drive a red Mazda. They go, somebody just backed into your Mazda. <laughs> Leaving their space because where I parked out, I got to park on the street. So where they parked,
3: what they eat, said was somebody just hit and ran your car, exactly, and the but, look of panic on your face was delicious. Yeah, because but where, I love
2: I love anxious Chris Krueger. Yeah, well where, well, where they park where I parked, you you parked on my street several times. Where I was parked, that is enough room to park three cars. So I had my back bumper to somebody's driveway so I could give the most amount of space in front of me for two cars to park because I'm a polite dude. That's your first mistake. Yeah. So
3: what you do is you park aggressively, forward, leave no space. No one will ever attempt to park there.
2: So I go out. We're done recording. I go out and I look at my car. I have a tow hitch imprint in my front license plate. I take my license plate off. The, I bought my I got my car Mazda of Westridge in Rochester that border license plate cracked gone threw it away don't need it took my license plate off license plate holder cracked took my license plate holder off to look at the grill of my car imprint of a tow hitch in my grill but not strong enough to break it it's just an imprint on the plastic so I had to call the po- I had to call the police well, this is what I love, he calls the police for this now this is something I would just let go. Because to I've, me. I've had my car, May 16th was one year where you drove me to Rochester to get it. So I'm not, I'm, if you hit my car, I'm calling the cops and.
3: Okay, but also, what have the cops done for you
2: since? I have not talked to them, but.
3: Yeah! Well, 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 but, but you had video evidence.
2: Yes, our neighbors that banged on my window had evidence. These two kids. They saw this happen. They got in their suburban, chased them down, got the plate number, got back to me. I mean, if this isn't the definition of city of good neighbors. No, 100%.
3: Those kids, like, you bought them some beer. Yeah, I'm just hysterical because I
2: don't even know if they're illegal drinking it. Allegedly. 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 They said they're old enough. Yeah, I haven't heard back from the police yet, though.
3: We'll we'll find out how old these kids are, but either way, I'm buying them each fifty dollar gift cards to Wise Guys Pizzeria because I feel like that's a that's a cool move. I like the fact that these kids reacted because I'm a fan of reacting, right? A hey, impulse. Hey, listen, in a situation, like in any kind of situation, you have to make knee jerk reactions. You have to you have to decide how you're going to react, and that could dictate the outcome of. Something like that, like a hit and run. Well, you could just stand there with your hands in your pockets and go, well, it's not my problem. These kids took it upon themselves to chase this guy down. I think they deserve to be rewarded for that.
2: They do. They do. And the best one of the most underrated parts of this is I called the police. You're still here. And oh, my
3: favorite was I walked out with a beer in my hand as I was getting ready to leave. And then I'm like, well, I should probably put that away.
2: Well, I did warn you. you go, hey, if you're going to come out and inter- and say something, like, have some water or... What? You
3: think... Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. You think I haven't talked to the cops with a beer in my hand before?
2: Yeah. Well, no, That's well, not, right. Not leaving, but... Yeah. I do what I want. Yeah, but I <laughs> I got a case number. I haven't heard from the West Seneca Police Department Of course Department you haven't. At, I should, I should probably follow up with them. I now, just, here's what I think. I just haven't had the chance. And I
3: want you to tweet us at Rock Report with your input. I think that now that we have the license plate number, and I know enough people who still work in the collections community that I can find out where that license plate number actually resides.
2: We do. It's the one street over.
3: Okay. So right over I here. think that we should just go over there and do a live segment with them. We'll do it live on Periscope. We'll go knock on the door like this is hard copy and just ask them, hey, we just want a response. We just need a statement from you. And he'll go, what is this? Uh, a statement in regards to what? To the fact that you back into cars and pull out of the drive. Just drive away like nothing's no, like nothing's wrong. And we're going to put him on the spot on video. I think that could be a hilarious bit.
4: It
2: could be.
3: I mean, we've tried everything at this point. Our podcast is 300 episodes old. We've tried everything. Why not this? Add a new one to the thing. And hey, maybe that ends in disaster, but maybe it's hilarious. I'm willing to roll the dice on that. What do you think? Yeah. that's will kick sounds- it around. You guys, at Rock Pub Report, tweet us on Twitter. To see, what what do you think about the idea of us confronting the hit and run driver?
2: <laughs> now that we- I,
3: I think it could be hysterical if it's done properly. Either way, I'm willing to raise a glass to it.
2: Cheers, Chris. Cheers. I got a... What is it? I don't know what this is. I got Angel's Envy, some bitters. Delicious.
3: I you're, have, you're still
2: on this Good neighbor stuff I bought last week. Yeah, but I have this... And then I bought you something yesterday. I texted you a photo of it. You didn't respond because I think you're playing softball, but okay. tell the people what's in your hand.
3: I'm holding a can. It's from K2 Brothers Brewing. It, Do we know where that is? Does I don't it, even know. Does it say on the can? Uh, call in if you have the answer. Um, alcohol by volume seven point five percent, IBUs nineteen. It's a sixteen ounce can, and it's a jalapeno cream ale. I don't know what the hell this is.
2: You really, for Chris? It was. It was. I was at Wegman's yesterday, and if it was, this is a, how
3: we're starting our three hundredth episode. This is going to be a wild ride.
2: I didn't see this coming. It was a part of the craft your own six pack at Wegman's. And I see jalapeno, you come in here most of the time eating peppers whole, like they're apples. You just you enjoy hot things. That's the Puerto Rican side of of you coming out. So I was like, Oh, jalapeno cream ale. I don't even know what I don't even know what this is gonna be, but I'm buying it. Drew's gonna drink it and he's gonna enjoy it. The
3: description on the can says some like it hot, some like it cold. Lucky for you, we bring both to the table. We bumped up the ABV on our cream ale and loaded it with jalapenos. That sounds like someone got wasted in a kitchen and decided, hey, man, you know what I... This, uh, did did it, Macy's place yes, call yes. you? Did Macy's place call you and tell you this is a good idea? Is that, is that what just took place here? You, Mendy's place? Yeah, Chris, that might have been one of my best social media burns. We're going to talk about that in a little bit because it fits the narrative of the
2: night. I hope that... You crack that open right now. I hope that I hope that you enjoy this. I can they,
3: smell a little
2: jalapeno. Let me smell it. Me just give, a hint. Let me. But let me, I
3: smell faint.
2: Yeah, I, smell, I definitely smell a jalapeno. Oh no! I, I just I ho- drink that right now. Oh no! Okay, hey, listen, it's, we're not we're not scared. It, yeah, it's three hundred. I
3: think we are three hundred
2: down the hatch. Yeah, you drink that. I just hope you enjoy it. I hope it's not... You're switching it around right now, trying to to get the... Looks like you don't like it. Ah! Bad... Was it aftertaste? I
3: don't know what just happened to me. It felt like my mouth was hijacked for a second.
2: Is it aftertaste?
3: It's... It's something. Here, you. You. Now... Okay, so if I had to describe this, it's definitely a cream ale.
2: I'm getting a glass because I don't want your cooties.
3: It's definitely a cream ale, and it has like a tang to it, but not a heat. There's no heat to this. It's just like a gross, green-tasting cream ale. Like, okay, I'm getting... Actually, now, I've swallowed it 30 seconds ago. I'm starting to get some heat, and I'm starting to get some jalapeno taste, Which is a terrible way to refresh yourself when it's eighty degrees here in Buffalo. But uh, this might be one of the worst things you've ever handed me. I don't know why you really did pull out all the stops. I don't know why
2: you're complaining about heat or pain. Like I've seen you shovel horseradish, Miller's horseradish, in your mouth just solo, nothing but horseradish. So I don't know why you didn't. Why you thought. The, I mean, I like the the color looks all right.
3: Do, do you remember dodgeball? When yeah. When it patches a little hand and goes, ah, it's like <laughs> like I have to drink my own urine, but it's sterile and I like the taste. It's like horseradish. Mm-hmm. Okay? I like the taste. Sometimes you just want a little spoonful. Just a taste. Just something to make. Just something to let your taste buds know you're still alive. Let, it lets your body know who they, who it works for. Listen, I'm the guy who's going to shovel in a. I'm going to fresh horseradish. Yeah, I'm going to plow down a spoonful of it. Everybody else, get in line. This is what we're doing.
2: <laughs> See, for me on the initial on the initial go down on this, like I don't, it, I don't really like taste anything. No, on the go down, but like on the back end, I get a little bit of jalapeno. And so, I mean, it's been about 20 seconds, and none of the heat is kicked in that you talked about. I get like a bit, just a little
3: touch of it on the back, and like I can feel it more in my chest than I can. This is a terrible beer, and we, who who thought jalapeno cream ale
2: would th- be great? Well, do you think it would have been different if I gave this to you in like the winter? Maybe,
3: but definitely not when it's eighty degrees inside your apartment because you refused. Because you're from Atlanta and you're wearing jeans with no air conditioning on. I hate you.
2: You know. Well, when we go to the Super Bowl this year, this is all you're going to be drinking on Super Bowl Sunday. Jalapeno is, cream is jalapeno ale. cream ale.
3: Oh, I did chase that with water, like whiskey. In fact, I'm going to chase that with whiskey.
2: Yeah, you still got the uh, Hudson Rye that I gave you for your birthday. Oh, God, that's good. Whew.
3: Thank God, folks. We have a show for you tonight, and it starts off with I, <clears throat> strap in because we've got a Bills news update. always Be about us, Chris. Sometimes we do have to talk a little bit about Bills football. And one of the biggest things going on here locally, there's not a whole lot on the football front, right?
2: No, not it's a whole lot. It's been quiet.
3: But here in Western New York, and something that does impact the Buffalo Bills, and I'll, I'll explain how in a second, New York State's COVID restrictions are easing. And I want to talk about what that means for us as fans and for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, stop me if you've heard this before, but COVID sucks. It's a no-brainer. It's ruined so much of the last year of our collective lives as a country, as a society, as the human race. And certainly as Bills fans.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, you beat it.
3: (laughs) Because of New York State rules, Chris and I, along with thousands of other season ticket holders, missed the entire 2020 season. One of the best Bills seasons on record. And then hurt. I mean, I tried to explain it to somebody on Twitter who made a snarky comment about quote-unquote stupid sporting events and tried to paint them as just this arbitrary thing that doesn't serve a societal need and that they're a throwaway exercise that shouldn't matter to social discourse. And I tried to explain to them, I'm a better person when I can attend Bill's games. I mean, going to those games on Sunday is like attending church for me. Even after hard losses, I find that I'm a happier, more thankful, and more charitable person. When I get to spend eight Sundays a year, seeing friends, a lot of whom are kind of like family at this point, embracing this team together and either celebrating
2: or even sometimes just lamenting it with them. You have no idea how much I miss Dan Kimball, who sits next to us at the stadium, our season ticket neighborhood. Also
3: bartender at Mamosers. Correct. I, I, in fact, we got to take a trip down there, see how he's doing. Chris, I can't drink any more of this jalapeno nonsense. I'm switching to a Buffaloha summer ale. Hopefully it's not as terrible.
2: Well the one I'll tell you one thing that I've gotten drinking my half of the jalapeno cream ale. It's like eating a bag of spicy nacho Doritos in the sense of well yeah, it says it's spicy, but in order to get the spice you have to eat the whole bag. So it's like I've had half of it. Now the spice is catching up. It's like when you drink, I would assume when you drink the whole can, then you get all of the the heat in your mouth. I'm getting that right now just by drinking half of it.
3: It's awful. Whoever came up with this should be shot in the foot and forced to walk home from wherever they work. Uh, But with that said, if, if the practice of attending football games makes me a happier, more functional human being... Isn't that a net positive for society? It is. Okay. It is. So then let's not talk about this like it's nothing.
2: No. I will. My one thing is sports coming back and playing in the event of a tragedy is a big deal. Look at New Orleans after Katrina. Yeah. The Saints, the block punt against Atlanta on Monday night is huge for the city. And what you have is everyone— Comes together. Every city
3: is right now, as these restrictions start to be, re- as these things start to relax and sports start to be played in front of people. Chris, a hockey game last night had a full capacity crowd. They
2: the Hurricanes and Preds. I didn't get to watch that.
3: Those people, that was one of the loudest, that, that might be the most excited I've ever seen a hockey game, which is known for being kind of a stoic environment, right? Yeah. And it hurt being away from the Bills this year. And while the Bills were allowed to have a limited number of fans and attendance for the playoffs, and it actually ended up making a difference in that Ravens game, it just wasn't the same. But changes are coming on the horizon. Early in the week, the CDC announced that if people are vaccinated, they no longer are obligated to wear a mask in public spaces, indoors, or well around other unvaccinated people. And effective as of yesterday, New York State has opted to follow that guidance and allow those who've gotten their shots to take the masks off. This is something that when you think about the impact on both life and sports, including our Bills fandom, it's huge. Now, I want to start this conversation with something of a prologue. Chris, I'm going to get, I I rarely do this, but I'm going to, well, maybe I don't. Maybe I do this all the time and you guys just will fully come along for the ride. I don't like to bloviate. I don't like to talk a bunch or get on a soapbox. Okay? But I want to start this conversation with a prologue, and I want everyone listening to this to try and hang on to this as you go forward on into your own lives over the next few months. And if you want to judge me by anything I'm about to say, that's your choice. I just ask that you try to keep an open mind here. Vaccination is a tricky topic to talk about because it's been both glorified and vilified, Politicized and weaponized as an instrument of social social score, personal category. It's just like this is a thing that's become so divisive. Much like Chris, everything seems to be divisive in our society today. There's a lot of things that if you if if you listen to the noise of social media and the news and all these things, it's like it's constant division and vaccinations are no different. It's been turned into a moral issue by some people, which to me seems like flawed thinking, and here's why. If you look at human history, just think about the beliefs and social norms that have been touted as quote-unquote right, that have risen and fallen over the last hundred years. Or the fact that over the last 200 years, decade by decade, what's considered right by society as a whole is constantly changing. I mean, I remember it was right to burn someone at the stake because they knew how to multiply. Like If you knew math, that made you a witch and you would get burned at the stake. And that was considered right by society. And look where we are today. <sighs> You could argue in the time it's taken us to record our last hundred podcasts and to get here to where we sit tonight, celebrating our 300th episode, this country has seen an incredible movement to push back against beliefs and behaviors that were seen as right that we as a society have decided we're no longer willing to see that way. That is the nature of the world. Morality is fluid and it's always changing. So with that in mind, I was taught that the only constant in life is that This is all just a series of actions and consequences. Morality is this fluid, ambiguous thing. Life is just actions and consequences. Morality doesn't really play into that equation. Every action has a consequence, and that's the barometer I use to measure the value of actions, is whether I can live with the fallout. That's it. And I've found that by following that, I live a much happier existence that way. Now I'm going to say all this because the decision to get vaccinated isn't something I'm qualified to advise anybody on. I'm not. I'm not. How
2: many things would you take my advice on, legitimately? Well, we've had this discussion several times. Uh, grilling, smoking advice. I would take your advice on uh, construction. I would take your advice on above ground swimming pools. <laughs>
3: My father buried one under the ground and made it an in-ground pool because he was pissed that the contractor who came to put one in told him it was going to be $10,000.
2: I would... Um, the man's an engineer. Dental advice? Definitely not taking your <laughs> advice on, on dental advice. I mean, I, I've joked for years that that's the reason why you never got braces. Your parents asked you because they thought... 12 13 year old drew can make his own decisions and you're like no i don't want braces so they took that money that they allocated for you having braces and they just bought an above ground swimming pool with it
3: (laughs) i remember i remember they came to me and they were like drew you should we really think you should get braces and i was like no i'm gonna look stupid and then my 20s came around and i was like oh no I look stupid. (laughs) I've got these bulldog teeth. Yeah. But hey, it it just adds to my charm because I'm this successful and this personally magnetic to people. And I look. I look like I. I, Someone once said to me, you look like in in the middle of an argument, obviously, but said to me that I look like I brush my teeth with firecrackers. And it's one of the funniest thing I've ever heard.
2: That's something. Or you could be like me who had braces and I've had a couple teeth pulled recently. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah.
3: Private school, braces, you had it all, Chris.
2: Yeah, I know. (laughs) You had it all. Silver platter.
3: But I'm not qualified to tell you people how to live live your lives or judge anybody out there for the decisions they make, because ultimately, you're all just on your own track, running your own race, making your own decisions for reasons that only you understand, and living through the consequences of them. So with that in mind, I'm vaccinated, okay? Okay. I got it. I didn't put it on social media. I didn't talk about it. and crow about it or brag. Chris, you're not. Okay? No. And I've never once asked you if you plan to do so. And to be honest, I don't need you to explain yourself to me. I don't care what you do. But not because I don't care what happens to you. Ultimately, it's none of my business. What you choose to do, that's your personal freedom. You get to make a decision like that, right? Correct. And I can see both sides of this argument. I can already hear people getting mad. I know how divided our society has become on literally every topic. And so to say I can see both sides of an argument sounds like a cop-out because we we live in an era where you're supposed to pick one team or the other. I've personally taken flack, mostly in a joking manner, from people on both sides of the vaccination conversation. Like, oh, you, you were hesitant to get it. I don't understand why. Or, oh, you sold out and you did this and you're a sheep. And I, again... I don't care. It rolls off my back because I'm we talk about this all the time. I'm dead inside. You can't hurt my feelings. No. <laughs> so you, I don't I genuinely don't care what other people
2: think about me. You can't hurt my feelings either. But didn't you have didn't you have your shot scheduled and you had COVID at the same time? My wife was scheduling it and then she's like, "Oh, you 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 have it. Have it." And
3: luckily I cleared in time to get the first dose and then so on and so forth. And I didn't do it for the betterment or protection of society. Or so that I could put a selfie on social media and let everybody know that I'm on team get a vaccine. Because I don't need anyone else's approval for how
2: I live my life. I think our followers and listeners would love it if you just put an endless amount of selfies.
3: No, we, do, do Chris, I cost us enough followers on a weekly basis already. I'm going to tell you why I did it.
2: I, well, I was going to say, if you put selfies... You put selfies on our Twitter account. People wouldn't know that they're selfies because your arm is so long.
3: <laughs> ah! Oh Jesus. Look, I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything here because I I don't feel like I need to defend the decision because I, be- I but because I believe in honest content conversation I want to illustrate exactly what I mean when I say everyone's running their own race and has their own experiences that drive their decision making because like I said I didn't do this for everybody else I didn't do this because it was the this is the thing you're supposed to do I don't, I I flirted with the idea of not paying taxes before simply because I tell everyone it's just actions and consequences if you can live with it if you can live with going to jail like Wesley Snipes don't pay your taxes I don't know Listen, I'm not a, I'm not a life coach. Don't take my advice, but understand that that's an option. There's always options. It's just, can you deal with the fallout? I got COVID, and I was lucky enough to come out the other side of it relatively easily without complications. My wife saw what I went through, and she was worried. She was worried for our son. She was worried for herself. She was worried for her 86-year-old grandmother who lives around the corner, who she enjoys going to see frequently. So she wanted to get the shot and she was scared. So she came to me and asked if I would get it with her. Did I have questions? Sure. Was I sold on the concept of an experimental vaccine and allowing myself to be the subject of what amounted to a medical Hail Mary with this giant sea of unknown consequences and unforeseen challenges just laid out out there, should the people who put this together be wrong? I wouldn't say I was the biggest fan in the world about it. At the same time, and I know that when people say this, most people say this, it comes across as hyperbole. But I promise you all, because I have no reason to lie to you. For the last decade and a half, I've lived a pretty reckless existence. I've toned it down since I met my wife, which is, I mean, that was the turning point in my life. But
2: Yeah, and you had a kid.
3: But whether it came from a place of apathy or just frustration over trying to find a place for myself in the world, unresolved anger, things that I wasn't mature enough to deal with, like emotional things that I was feeling and just didn't know how to deal with, so I dealt with really poor ways. I don't know, but I know that my decision-making has been unpredictable, volatile, and pretty much fraught with danger. I've I, Chris, I'm impulsive, correct? You've seen it firsthand. Yeah. So with that, anyone who doubts me, I mean, join me to tailgate this year and I will tell you all about it. I can tell you stories that to quote Winston Zedmore from Ghostbusters would turn your shit white. Okay? And I've got no shame about who I am or the things that I've done. Because remember, actions and consequences. You do things that you're willing to live with. (sighs) So in that way, John Wayne once said that courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. So when my wife comes to me with that ask, I did some simple math and figured out that taking an experimental drug didn't crack the top 15 for most dangerous things I've ever done. And I pulled the trigger because in my mind, if something was going to happen, I'd rather face it with her than without her. I mean, that'd be like me getting on a lifeboat while your loved ones are stuck sitting on the deck of the Titanic. I would rather stand there with her and roll the dice that everything was going to be fine. <laughs> and that's just that's just how I'm wired. So I did the thing I was pretty uneasy about because given everything I've just laid out, that's what felt right to me. Not everyone can and will see things that way, and that's fine. Run your own races. Make your own decisions and do what's best for you. And I'm going to raise a glass for your right to do so. Chris, cheers.
2: Got my angel's envy right here. Don't
3: judge me for my choices. I won't judge you for yours. And if everybody adopts a little bit of that, maybe we we just might all get out of this life in one piece.
2: was very well said. That's probably the most political we've been on the show. How is that? But it's s-
3: not political. It's literally saying there should be no politicization of this.
2: Yeah, but the mainstream media puts. I don't give a yeah. shit.
3: I, I, I just, I'm tired of this. But what I will say. Is that my experience yesterday was eye opening because Western New York rolled out open <laughs> masks off open. if you're vaccinated. I played softball for the first time this summer yesterday and there was no masks in the dugout. We just got to relax and talk and laugh. I watched my wife and the other wives and the kids just playing and doing things and it was, it was nice. It felt like normal. Everyone hanging around, having beers together, doing something, enjoying a gorgeous summer day and some slow pitch softball. Now, the guys on my team break my balls because they say, we I don't mention softball in the podcast. Okay, how about this, Joe? It didn't hurt that everyone was really rusty. I mean, this kid Joe, our right fielder, slipped and fell down trying to catch a fly ball.
2: On dog poop?
3: Like, looked like he was on roller skates. And then, when he went up to bat, he looked like Daniel Jones. Remember? When, remember his ill fated touchdown run on yep. Monday Night Football? Yeah, that's that what didn't Joe, happen. That's what Joe looked like running to first base as he's rolling around in the dirt because he ran. He even got his hands waving out in front of him. <sighs> Have you ever seen that when people start when people's hands are out in front of them, they're gonna fall, but their their wrists are rotating. And their, yeah. their fingers are spread, and it's like their elbows are just locked. It's like, oh, you're going down. Not only are you going down, but you're probably not going to be able to stop yourself. You're going to hurt yourself, and it's going to
2: be hysterical. That might be a thing that we need to have for the summer, a part of the podcast is who helped their team more, you at softball or me with roller hockey?
3: <laughs> Definitely not me, because I held a clip. Hey, listen, though. I That's put, what Mark said. I put together a mean team, though. Mark Smith. Pile Report attorney texted me today to say that his whole body was sore after taking just three at bats. <laughs> we lined up, but here's the thing: it was hilarious. And Mark stinks. I mean, he 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 got thrown out at first base. He, he couldn't find a way out of the infield. It's hysterical. It's slow pitch softball. Come
2: on, what are you doing? You got to. I think you get, with slow pitch softball, you have to uppercut swing.
3: Yeah, Mark does Mark Mark's whole plan is I'm gonna tomahawk the ball
2: and try to run out an infield single. See, that's how that's how I would do it because the uh, I played. We're we're getting somewhere here. Private school. I played baseball in high school, so my hitting style is of that the tomahawk. And I played softball, maybe slow pitch softball, maybe twice. And I think the second time I played it, I figured, well, you have to uppercut swing this. And I've always been, from the baseball mindset, taught to swing down Levels. on the ball. Yeah. So I, I would be in the same position as Mark. but Which is hysterical
3: because you don't play. Now he's been playing for years and still stinks the way you stink. <laughs> well, he's trying, to be a, he's trying to be an MLB player. But then you think about the day. After the game was over and we had won, we lined up and had handshakes with the opposing team. Something that at some point it felt like we were never going to be able to do again.
2: Right? Yeah. Well, for hockey, when at end of the game, when we do the handshake at the end of the game, I still have my glove on and I'm fist pumping. Everybody. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Fist pumping. I'm not, not shaking hands. Still leaving that glove on. I don't want the germs. Afterwards.
3: We went to a bar, the bar that sponsors our team, and it was an experience for me. I mean, did, did we, we give them a shout or what? The Pubski Pub, okay, over on William and Cheek the Waga. And there was just this air of relaxation in the building. I mean, a few people had their masks on, either signifying that they weren't vaccinated and the, or the bar was just actually checking records, which, good for them. I like that. It makes people feel, you know what I mean? It makes people feel comfortable. But there were some of the most genuine smiles on the faces of people, and I could see them. I could see it. There was hockey and basketball on. People were enjoying themselves. And I think most importantly, there was this camaraderie in the air that I wish I could do a better job of describing to you guys. I'm articulate, but I couldn't put this into words. People were being genuinely kind to one another. I watched some guy wearing a black wife beater and a puka shell necklace Pull out a bar stool for a guy who was like 285 pounds and hammered. Pull out a bar stool for him. Turns out they don't even know each other. He just did it because he was like, hey, this guy looks like he's having a hard time, I'm gonna help him out. Like, <laughs> some random guy handed me a shot while I was at the jukebox putting some ACDC on because it's been so long since I could sit in a bar and listen to some AC DC that I'd forgotten how good it felt. And he gave me a high five and some whiskey because Whiskey on the Rocks is apparently one of his favorite songs. Two thoughts sprung out of that for me. First of all, for everyone who thinks the sky is falling and the world is coming apart at the seams, shut off Twitter and Facebook. Go outside. Have a conversation with your neighbor. Go shake a hand or two, and you're gonna find out if you go out into your local community that the world isn't ending. Okay? And that's what, that mentality is what's gonna get
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Us through this. And also, if just sitting in a bar again, listening to music and drinking with strangers felt that good, I can't imagine what this Bill's season is going to feel like. Can you imagine, Chris, the ability
2: to tailgate again? I I didn't. Because it was on Twitter not too long ago, I can only imagine we get back to tailgating and somebody new shows up and parks next to us that we don't know, don't recognize. They just chose the mud, mud lot as their tailgate location, and they put up a grill, set it up, and they throw on peanut butter and jelly ribs. I don't even know how to respond to that. I'll. There's on Twitter just just within the last half hour, you said something on Twitter. That's why I had to bring it up.
3: Actions and consequences, Chris. Yeah. Actions and consequences. Peanut butter
2: and jelly ribs.
3: I'll set fire to their grill and then feed them and be like, "Hey, look! I'll even give you my grill. You can take it home. This camping one. I've got three more in the rafters of my garage. You can have my grill, but that one has been permanently tainted. It's d- it's dead to the world." We had no choice but to sacrifice it at the altar of tailgating. (laughs) But so as this dynamic applies to the Buffalo Bills, the team has made it clear that their intention is to have a full stadium this season. And I know that some fans were really upset. I mean, Dave Palermo, numb Bills fan podcast. He renounced his Bills fandom over their, hey, you can't attend games. Unless
2: you're vaccinated.
3: Unless you're vaccinated. I'll say this. (sighs) He's, again, actions and consequences. You do what you're comfortable with. If you're comfortable with the fallout of giving that up because you're mad at a policy, that you're right. You are entitled to feel however you want to feel. Just know that there's consequences. I never thought that we would get this close to being back in the stadium full of people, to seeing Tony again, our usher. Do you know how much I miss that guy? Yeah, I miss him how, too. You miss Dan Kimball? Oh yeah, I miss Keith, the sheriff who oversees our section. He and I have had a lot of conversations. We've had a oh, lot of conversations over I a bet. decade. Of, over a decade uh, to just the potential to be a part of seventy thousand screaming fans again, high fiving people I haven't seen in over a year. Tailgating in public spaces without a fear of reprisal. It's all right there in front of us. And philosophically, because this is how my brain works, I think it's crazy that we're here talking about this massive shift in the way we've been living on the eve of our 300th podcast. Because if you go back to it, this thing started. Our, it's been 100 shows since we our last century, you know, the century mark when we last hit it. Was at the beginning of this pandemic.
2: Yeah, that's the same. Well, we did amp it up to two shows a week, so it's just three hundred. Was going to come. How quick. much has
3: changed? And that if people want to see it that way, there's hope out there. Things are getting better. Okay, doom and gloom all you want, but things are getting better. And I, I for one, look forward to the changes that we're going to see here locally. I look forward to getting back into the Bill Stadium. To just being there, because, like I said at the top of the show, it makes me a better person. Say whatever that says about me as
2: a human being. Yeah, because you get to see it happen live, unload it here, and not waterboard your wife and closer friends with your bills. Takes it's all emptied out right here in front of these microphones.
3: Getting to see people again, just getting out and being reminded that the world exists, it's still here, and things are coming back. I, it's an again net positive for society. I think that we could all do it, use a little bit more of that in our lives. And so, in that way, I'm really looking forward to this summer here in Western New York and seeing how this progresses because we are on track as of today. To having a wild, (laughs) a wild season in front of us, and we'll be there to see it. And so that brings us, Chris, 300 podcasts. 300. This is insane. Do you have any idea how many hours we've sat in this room here talking nonsense at each other?
2: Uh, It's actually five seasons. Five seasons? Because if, if we backtrack it to when we began in 15, I was married And I would bring my desktop computer to your apartment in Depew once a week. So from September until January, when my (coughs) wife and I separated, we were doing... We didn't even drink during the show. Nope. We were trying to find our feet. We had... I want to say we did three podcasts that were not ever released. (coughs) And I only think the first one that we did actually... Was legitimately saved on the computer, but we did. We went into the summer of 2015. Like, all right, we're going to do three shows, and we're going to just listen to them ourselves. I'm going to get my production hands back, and you know, get get a grasp on that. Hopefully, we do it a couple of times, you'll get a grasp of hosting. Uh, Six years later, you still haven't grasped hosting completely.
3: My wife's favorite thing to bring up is that she found in a notebook that I had started when we started this podcast. I had written, like, this was my first idea of show notes. Now, what I send you now is a Word document that sometimes is anywhere from 8 to 20 pages.
2: Yeah, it depends. We
3: don't even use most of the material, but I put it together... Because that's how my brain works. When we started, it was from the first night I sat down to try to flesh out this show. And underlined, with pen, it just says, Drew Gear has a lot of thoughts. And then there's nothing else. It's a blank page. It makes her laugh so hard when she sees that. Because she's like, nope, that's the most accurate thing anyone's ever said about you. And you're the one who wrote it and then abandoned it. Because probably there was too many.
2: I think the the best part for me about this this show that we do is that I I, I want to say after maybe the first year of us doing the show, it we found our own lane because especially when we started implementing drinking on the show, there would be times where you we were like, you don't know what you're doing as a producer. Let me take over. And like, I yeah, and it was like the oh, movie yeah. Any Which Way But Loose. Yeah, when okay. uh,
3: he, he when when Clint Eastwood lets the orangutan drive the car, right, Turner and Clyde, and yet the orangutan did a better job driving that car than I did trying to edit this podcast.
2: Yeah, it's that's what I like about our dynamic is that how the show sounds is all up to me. I do all of the production, the show intro. We've had two show intros. I've created both of those. Any any audio element that I've been able to create, like, that's all on me. You do all the show topics, what we discuss. I, I, I don't – unless you ask me for my opinion on things, like, oh, like, we need – you know, especially in these months as we get into May and June where there's just, like, nothing to go to, to talk about. And you as create content creators, we have to – be able to generate content and be good at it in these months, May and June. you like, I leave that all up to you unless unless you ask. It's, uh, it's the, the one thing that I, I really like about our show is that the content creation is all up to you. How it sounds is all up to me. We have our, our own roles. We stick to it. We know it. And I think after the first year, you you knew, like, I, I can't step into that production space. But, but and, this- and you have, you have not... I don't think in in the last five years you've tried to step into that production space.
3: Because we each have—because we've figured it out. And this is what I'd say. I think one of my biggest takeaways from this 300 shows—this is crazy to even say— I feel like this year, in the last 100 we've recorded, I've gotten a better feel for just how many people— you know, Bruce Nolan will say it to us sometimes, and I feel like it's just hit patter, like he's trying to pat us on the back. Like,
2: is it the off? Are you talking about the off-air oh, yeah. stuff we talk when, about? When where he, when he we, just tells us, we, we talk us, about like, our space. Yeah, and
3: he goes, "You Bills guys community. fill an important role in this community," and I laugh at him and I go, "Okay, you're 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 being complimentary, but you're doing that because that's necessary." But then we start talking to guys who are now starting to podcast, recent guys, the the Air Raid Hour, uh, the Cold Front Report, the Sky's Coverage, Anthony Prohaska. Or and each After these, the
2: Snap, and, my other podcast.
3: And these guys talk to us and they go, no, we've been listening to your podcast for years. Like, you guys have been doing... We're OGs. Oh and insane. That's, this is the first time I really have an understanding of what that is. It's like we've had the time that... We've had time that no one else has had to find our groove. Time and reps we have that nobody else does to try to figure out how to make this relationship and make this show work and make it funny, make it something people wanna show up for every week. And it just strikes me now that there's a whole group of other people who turn around and go, oh no, I've, I've been listening to your podcast and it was like, now I'm doing my own podcast and I feel like we're a part of that. And it it's crazy to look back at it that way and think...
2: It's insane. It's, <laughs> it's like, how would this have been had we... Started after the podcast boom because we've talked about them n- numerous times. That oh, nobody was, was listening when we started, and we didn't give a damn. Well, no, if we had start if, if we didn't start podcasting until like eighteen or nineteen, because we're we're one of the OGs. There's us, Numb Bills fan, and Bills and beers were like the only three that we could find when we started this in 2015. I think it'd be a little different if if we started this in eighteen or nineteen at the height of this podcast boom.
3: Maybe. What I do know is I'm happy with where we currently sit, even if I'm even if where I currently sit is way too close to a guy who in 80 degree weather is wearing white jeans, white, not even normal jeans, like not boot cut, not open, like skinny jeans. I want to fight you on principle alone. They're slim. Yeah, they're slim fit. Something you don't qualify for. You are the quintessential dad bod like your physique. If I had to describe it would be the like the Grinch. You look like how the Grinch stole Christmas.
2: I, I'd be a, a, a dad-leet. Dad bod combined with an athletic body. Yeah,
3: until you sprain your ankle again, jumping over a snowbank. Get out of here with that. But Chris, hours that we've sat here in this room, I've measured it. It's just about 375. You know what that equates to? It's 15 and a half days of you and me sitting in this room together. More than two weeks. And you could watch, if if you if your taste in films wasn't atrocious, it's the equivalent of watching The Godfather and Goodfellas back-to-back 77 times. <laughs> That's how long we've been doing this. And some interesting metrics have come out of that. Our total in-season beer watch count now take in mind, folks, we didn't drink during our first season of podcasting. No. And then I started to dabble at the end of the season. I got drunk during our festivist show, and Chris goes, Hey, we should track how many beers you drink.
2: Yeah, I, I, that was the beer watch was was a was a my thing. The uh, you text me yesterday. Yesterday before I went to, I had to work a open shift some overtime last night and I was at my girlfriend's last night and you had texted me that Hey, count how many beers we've had in Beer Watch. And so I, I got pictures on my phone. So I'm, I'm sitting there with my girlfriend and I'm like, pull out your calculator on your phone. I need some numbers. And then I think it was 1528.
3: 1528 total in-season podcast beers. That's not counting what we drink during the off-season on Sundays while we're tailgating. What else I might drink during the week. 1,528 beers while we sit here behind the microphones. That's sick. I did the math. That's 63 cases of Moosehead. That's insane. Nine and a half full kegs. Do you know the, mileage, the liver mileage that we've racked up doing this podcast?
2: I, I, had, Jessica, I had Jessica do all the math on it. And I was like, okay. Because from this past season in my phone, I didn't have like... A photo with a hard number so I had to go through every week and add them all together and then she gave me the number and then I'm like okay and then add what we had for the previous four seasons and then she was like well it's 1528 that doesn't even seem real <laughs> Like, how did, I, that's what I texted I was like how did we do this it, this is clearly like you said it's got to be over 2000 because the beers that you were having now are not counted we're in the off season oh for sure it clearly over Well 2000.
3: over 2,000. I, t- I put us in the 22, 2300s. It's incredible. Yeah. Ugh. Chris, we really have had an impressive run here. And when you look over the last 100 episodes, it's crazy to think that episode 200 aired on April fifteenth, 2020. And I just got done talking about how great things are now, how different the world was at that point. I wasn't a father. The COVID pandemic was just a few weeks old. People were panicked. International tensions are high. The world was both politically and socially trying to tear itself apart. The sport that brought us all here to to this podcast in the first place. Nobody even knew if there was going to be an NFL season.
2: You know, April, was it, you said April 5th? April 15th. April 15th. So clearly at that point, we knew we didn't have a first round pick. Yeah, right. That we, we sent that over to Minnesota for digs. Mm-hmm.
3: And so it just seems to me kind of poetic that our 300th episode comes just a few weeks before my son's first birthday, just weeks after the team announced that they're going to operate a full capacity stadium in 2021, and just days after the CDC gave vaccinated people the all clear to start go living, back to normal normal
2: living, living as much life. as you used to. I don't know about all
3: that, but just living their lives. I mean, it feels like normalcy is on the horizon. The last 100 episodes of this podcast, in my mind, might have been my favorite 100. Not just because they encompass the most successful season of this football team in our adult lives, but also because I think it'll serve as something as kind of a period piece. Just this encapsulation of one of the craziest years in human history. And yet, throughout it all, I had this podcast... You, Chris, and all of our listeners to ride it out with. That makes what we've done here unique. It's special, at least to me. And I, I'll drink to that. Raise a glass, sir.
2: How's that, Hop Valley?
3: This is pretty good. This beer is. Re- you did good with this pick. It's Bubble Stash IPA. Where's it from? Hot Valley Brewing Company? Hot Valley Brewing Company. its I, I like it. It's a little bit light. It's 6'2 for an IPA. So with that in mind, I was thinking back to some of the unique moments and just highlights of this season for me from a content production standpoint. I mean, first of all, for me, the COVID research series that we did in the summer when we weren't even sure football was going to get played. We did a show with Buffalo Business First Paul Lane, looking at the local economic impact of a fanless season. I did a financial deep dive on the stadium situation and how... Our infrastructure here in Buffalo, which they just ran a piece on the news here locally, our infrastructure is 100 years old. I know fans want fancy stadium. They want it downtown. They want a dome. They want all these things. If our infrastructure sucks, there's 380 water main breaks every winter. The town of Tonawanda, which sucks in its own right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Tonawanda is garbage.
3: But they have... The financial cap they have 397 miles of water pipe that's more than 80 years old. They have the financial ability to every year replace one mile of it. Yeah, one mile of it. So if the state were to give Erie County money for anything, I feel like giving it to us for a football stadium would be malpractice as a politician. I'd want people fired.
2: Yeah, you'd want to have new pipes in Tanawanda I mean I'd like to have nothing in Tanawanda
3: li- I told you if I won the powerball I would buy North Tanawanda what was that what was that number oh, they- I would buy Tanawanda and then I would fix up one street and the other street I would just demolish it
2: would what, you say? they was they only have enough money for what one mile what was that one mile per
3: year they can they can update and repair.
2: That's insane. Well, yeah, that's that's going to happen when you when you give all of your free money to that pool off the two ninety. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
3: But then our conversation with Ryan Lasell in-depth, in-depth research on the business of sports in a year without fans, which ended up happening, and everything we talked about came to fruition. The, the NFL was the only league really financially set up to not take a giant loss. Right? Yeah. What I love about those shows is that they took legitimate days of research and almost all of the things we broke down came to fruition, both in our city, both to our city's detriment and benefit. But it showed the flexibility of our show and the fact that we can be incredibly multifaceted in our approach here. I'm a big, dumb animal sometimes. I'm, I'm willing to admit that. But I'm not the dumbest person you've ever heard get behind a microphone either. If I can do some research... And the way my brain works, I can find topics that are interesting to talk about. At least you guys have shown us that by your constant support.
2: You're like a drunk savant with charts.
3: And then there's the games and the moments of this football season itself. Chris, your favorite moments from this year, in terms of sitting here doing this podcast, talking about the season,
1: oh,
2: the God. Rams game
3: has to stand out.
2: Yeah, the Rams Because Rams I game. had to eat a lot of crow. Yeah, a lot of early season stuff because I think the Raider game, the Rams game, we got up, we got behind, and we persevered, won those games. Maybe, maybe post post podcast of the Cardinal game, the Hale Murray catch comes to mind. Um, yeah, it's, it was a lot. It this year podcasting has been. Different than any other year because we went 13 and (laughs) 3. 13 and
3: 3. How many weeks did we go without a legitimate meltdown on this podcast? I I feel like we hit a record.
2: I I think even with certain, I think even with like the Rams win, there was a meltdown. Because it was still too new.
3: It was still too new. This idea that this team might actually be elite.
2: You didn't have it in your head that. It, I don't even know. I don't even think it's still there for you, having made the AFC title game, that this team is different. Josh Allen is the guy. he has shown it. It's just like PTSD. Next year, there's going to be a moment, and it's going to suck because I'll be working and I won't be a part of it, where you're going to have a meltdown, whether it's at the stadium watching the game or at your house for, for an away game. There's going to be a meltdown this year. So th-
3: that takes me back to like I, in the preparation for this podcast and everything we're about to just show you guys because we have a lot on the docket. Um, I was listening back to our post our, our, our victory podcast after we had won the Baltimore game to go to the AFC title game. We were talking to Bruce Nolan, and you were breaking down for him how I drunkenly, after a handful of series at the beginning of the game, a couple missed passes by Josh, a couple missed deep shots, just everything else, I looked at you and somehow said, if this is who he is, we can't pay this guy. And you laughed your ass off about that because you're like, there's Drew. There's There's the crazy
2: SOB I know. Yeah, it's like like, okay, Josh Allen spent the whole season being good. Or I would say great. Well, damn! Okay. He's die hard. Yeah, okay. And then he threw an incompletion, and you're like, that's it. This is who he is. <laughs> he threw an incomplete pass. He's. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. Can we get Gabron Handman? Can we get Ryan Fitzpatrick? What
3: about your favorite moments watching the games with me?
2: I think one of my favorites is, I think it was the San Francisco Monday night game, because I left your house to go to Seven Eleven to get Molson Ice because we were out of Molson Ice, and that's when we were on our Molson Ice. Um, Let's talk about that because
3: I have a list of things that I've made. In fact, you've just strolled right into
2: this. Yeah, well, because my my whole thing was I left as soon as the ball crossed the end zone. I was gone for the extra point, but I was back to see the kickoff. I was gone for a whole commercial break. (laughs)
3: Which is kudos to where I live, being close to stores and things of stores that people get murdered at. But so, when we talk about my favorite parts of this season, one of them was hangover podcasting on a Tuesday after eight moles and ices during Monday Night Football against San Francisco. Eight moles and ices watching a Monday Night Football game? Like, I just got home from work a few hours ago, and now I'm pouring what might be some of the worst swill on earth into my mouth every time the Bills are on offense. And they keep scoring
2: touchdowns. So I keep doing it. I think when we were on kind of live tweeting it on Twitter, that kind of caught on with people like, (laughs) you know, oh, the superstition, you know, oh, are they going to do Molson Ice next week? I think it evolved into a different beer as the season ended. Mark Smith
3: brought Molson Ice and said, bring this to softball because we need it in case we go into a dry spell at the plate. It's become a thing. And I hate it. I hate every second of it. I remember that day I was just walking around thinking, I have to podcast in less than eight hours. And I'm shirtless trying not to dry heave in the middle of December in my backyard. (laughs) Just letting the cold air. Oh, God. I'm just having like, like people have PTSD flashbacks. I'm having them about Molson ice. That game destroyed my ability. Like, I smell it, and I get... You know that feeling in your mouth when you smell a liquor that you've thrown off of, thrown up off of before?
5: Yeah.
4: yeah
3: Molson Ice does that to me now because of that game. But it was so good. Like, in retrospect, going back and re-watching that game, Josh Allen was so technical. Everything about it was spot on. And, Chris, it was our first... Of multiple primetime games, and we were like, okay, the Bills always fail in primetime. There was this feeling of anxiety, and they handled San Francisco to a degree that gave us some confidence heading into later primetime
2: games, right? Oh, 100%. That was one of Josh Allen's, I think, better games from an. That was where
3: he really earned everyone's respect.
2: I was going to say that was one of his best games from uh, an. Uh, accuracy standpoint because you know my parents they live in Atlanta so unless it's a primetime game they're usually not able to watch the Bills so I did I'm showing you this right now on my phone I did text my dad and this I was like you got to see this this clip this it's a gif on Twitter of Josh Allen just right over the linebackers hands into Gabe Davis's Fred Hands.
3: Warner is literally a few blades of grass away yeah.
2: from intercepting that
3: pass, but he can't. He can't get up there, and Allen drove it directly to Gabe Davis, and Gabe Davis got up and stole that ball. Yeah, that's that game was the one that solidified it for us. Like, hey, you know, you're co- you're coming off a stretch of games where you're like, okay, we were good, and then we had a hiccup, and now we beat San Fran, we we beat Seattle. And we're going to go into prime time on the road and hope we can keep this momentum. And you were just, you, as a Bills fan, you had your fingers crossed. And you were just hoping that they were going to keep being good. And instead, Josh Allen and company kicked down the door of what your expectations were.
2: I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the, the coaching staff and their ability to get off that Arizona game. Because that was, I believe that was their last loss of the season. Absolutely. It ran the table afterwards. And that was also... You would think a a play like the Hale-Murray would crush a team.
3: Oh, 100%. And that speaks to how different this team was than any Bills team we've seen over the last 25 years. One of the coolest parts of this past year was getting to talk to Reed Ferguson, special teams captain, in the aftermath of that Arizona loss, and just talking about McDermott's attitude and how the team saw it. I mean, Chris... But run this back for us. I want to relive that moment and that conversation with Reid.
4: You know, I've been here for five years, but people that have grown up here and, and follow the team their whole life, obviously, is, is a completely different perspective. But I think, you know, basically, and you said it, Coach McDermott has, has changed his team. And I think in his press conference, I saw a quote uh, where he basically said that same thing. You know, we have, he, he and his coaching staff have come in and changed this place for the better. And I think that that's something that uh, that a lot of fans are starting to realize because you know, and, and I'm and I'm trying to play both sides here. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's some fans that overreact, obviously, but there's some fans that 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 understand what Coach McDermott and, and Bean and and all the coaches that they brought in have have brought to Buffalo and have brought to this team and, and the players too. A lot of the players that have turned over and we're you know we're basically a new uh, somewhat of a new team that we were four years ago. But I think exactly what you were talking about, I think it speaks to how Coach McDermott, how much they've changed uh, this place to be basically a complete one eighty of what fans have, have expected from this team for for the you know, past I don't know what, twenty years. And now that you know that's that mindset is kind of changing. To basically be be blunt about it, I mean, we're a tip pass from being eight and two. We played well, you know, last week in Seattle and won that game. And, uh, you know, I think uh, we played well enough to, to beat Arizona, but like you said, you know, at the beginning of, of the podcast, I think, um, you know, Hopkins is one of the best in the league. You know, Kyler Murray's no slash himself. So they get you know, paid guys, too. Guys make guys make plays. They get paid too, right? People, you know, I, th- I think that's a, you know a, another thing that a lot of people maybe understand but fail to realize sometimes is that you know they have they they're getting paid millions too, right? Like those those guys are some of the highest paid guys in the league. They're going to make plays when you know when it counts as well. You're not. Not always going to win all of the close ones, but obviously that, you know, that certainly is the aim. We're, you know, kind of, we're, we're, we're over Arizona. We're kind of done with that game, 24 hour rule and, and kind of trying to enjoy the bye week now, even though we don't get to travel, but, uh, you know, kind of check out for a little bit, enjoy, enjoy some time off and, and get ready for, uh, the Chargers coming to town next week.
2: That's Reed Ferguson from our episode 249 on the Rockpile Report.
4: The takeaway
2: from that whole conversation, and
3: I urge you to go back and listen to it in its entirety, because his whole message and kind of what I was trying to say was, this is usually where I'd be apoplectic. And yet I felt really neither one of us, Chris, felt that bad that we had just lost our third game. And we're eight and three,
2: yeah. And then we proceed to go on a run,
3: but neither did the team. Reed spoke at length in that appearance about how he said it, he said it in that clip 24 hour rule, 24 hour rule, we don't care. And he went on to elaborate a little bit beyond that, just talking about how this team firmly believes that every game is theirs, every game is theirs until someone proves them different. That is the difference in this football team. And we got to see it come to fruition here in 2020. It, it was incredible. They really did take the ball and run with it to a degree that I don't think even the most optimistic Bills fan. Even the most optimistic Bills fan on social media. Which isn't have, you. Couldn't have predicted that after going eight and three, the Bills would run the table. Right, yeah. There's no way you saw all of these primetime games, and you go, "That's where the Bills struggle." That on a national stage is when the Bills have done their worst or have had some really heartbreaking
2: losses. Yeah, that's a point in the season where you could that could really turn south for a team with an amazing play like like the Hale Murray. I mean, just a decision like that could just turn the team and previous south. And like previous Bills teams like the. Like with McDermott, the Peterman move. Yeah. Going to Peterman. That, like changing quarterbacks. It could have crushed a franchise. Yeah. And instead,
3: Sean McDermott said, listen, I talked to the players. And I remember the media reports afterwards. They're like, oh, McDermott with his another bumbling move as a rookie head coach. He was like, no, I talked to the locker room. I owned my mistake. And we're going to move forward as a football team. And they went on the road into Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs, who at the time were themselves fighting for divisional like rank. And we stole a game from them. We played tough. That team sold out the next week. And under Tyrod Taylor's guidance, won that football game, went on a run, made the playoffs. Why? Because we have a coach who's instilled this mindset and it came to fruition this year and we got to see it at its peak. When that's a loss that should probably cripple you. Like, hey, we gave another team our best shot and they had a better one. And they didn't give a shit. They couldn't have cared less. They said, okay, that's one game. Run it back six times. We'll get you five. (laughs) You got your one. Good luck. Hey, Chris, who made the playoffs and who didn't?
1: Exactly. That's
3: what I'm talking about. That's one of the things I grew to love over the last hundred episodes of this podcast about this football team. And so in the same way, we got to talk to Reed after they won the AFC East title. After that game in Denver, which was a party all day. Chris, that was one of my favorite days of football because it started early. We had wings and whack. Yep. I cooked roast beef. I wasn't angry for most of the game.
2: No. Not at all.
3: No. Your, your girlfriend came and she actually saw and went the way that it...
2: Yeah.
3: It was incredible. And so in talking to Reed after the game, just getting to pick his brains about this. Again, these are opportunities that I, I never thought I'd get to have in my life. Talking to a Bills captain after the Bills just clinched the division title and the season's not even over.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think from, from the Bills' social team, what they posted, I think that, that they put it up on their the video of Coach McDermott's postgame speech in the locker room. He said it was a culmination, really, of, of the past four years since they've gotten here and what we've been building. And I think that that's pretty clear to see, you know, from obviously from our perspective. Or for I guess from the from the people that have been there since Sean and, and Bean got there, but also from the fan perspective to kind of see how the culture has changed and and how the team has really changed since the old regime left and the and the new guys came in. Uh, I think it's super exciting, obviously from from everybody's perspective that that we were able to to kind of break that 25 year drought after you know after we we broke the drought playoff drought a couple of years ago. You know we we're kind of we're on a good roll here. But no, I think it's, like I said, I think it's super exciting for, for the fans to, to see the success of the team and, and, and we play for the fans. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been real great. I mean, hosting a playoff game for, for Bills fans is, is probably, you know, that's, that's been priority number one since really since I've gotten here, you know, knowing, knowing that the playoff drought was, was a thing. You know, and then breaking that, and then winning the division this year. You know, that's that's kind of been. You know, that would that, nothing would delight me more. I don't think so. You know, fingers crossed, but uh, we'll see. is Reed
2: Ferguson from our Rockpile Report, episode two fifty nine. <sighs>
3: Chris, it still doesn't seem real. Like, I remember that night staying up and watching Aliens at 2 o'clock in the morning until 4 o'clock in the morning. And really, you my,
2: decided to do that and not listen to Baltimore on repeat? No, 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 no. I saved that for
3: 20. I left that in 2019 where it belongs. <laughs> Instead of 20. Well, what was it? Uh, 1987, 88. I don't even know when that's ninety five. I remember it was part of the movie Ninja Turtles 3.
2: Uh, see, I know it from being in Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Rock and Chris Farley. Of course. And David, and I don't know. If, no, David Spade wasn't in that. I love that you know that film and you don't know. It's when Chris Rock was was swaying back and forth on like a palm tree. I love that you know the moment
3: of that, but you've never seen Goodfellas. No. Or a Bronx Tale. No. <sighs> what a disgrace. We had so many moments during this year. And then our Playoff Victory podcast. My favorite was getting to your girlfriend, getting to see Playoff Drew.
2: That was amazing.
3: She didn't understand that. She's like, guys, I don't understand. Drew's not that bad during games. And yeah. everyone kept yelling at her. He's a monster. Just give him time. Just give it the right environment. The Bills are somehow winning all of these games. That's unorthodox. She finally got exposed to it during that Colts game. And it was that Colts day.
2: Chris, yeah, that we, whole we, day was amazing. We made fight milk. Which I was going to fight you over. Wait, the best part of that was the fact that I got you, like, in the moment on a missed Rodrigo Blankenship field goal. You're like, I, I think I said something to you. As they were lining up, like, oh, field, something about a field goal. And you're like, oh, this is a chip shot for him. He's going to make it. And I'm like, fight milk. You do a shot of fight milk. Hit the upright. Got to do. You had to do a shot of fight. You had to have done, like, six shots of fight milk.
3: Yeah. And you almost got put in a headlock because of it. Are you happy with yourself? <laughs> Are you proud of yourself?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
3: love it. And yet the Buffalo Bills won that game And it went on to be one of the best moments Of my entire year Point blank and period I got to celebrate with you guys I got to celebrate with people I knew My father showed up with my uncle And we all got to hang out with my
2: kid The best part of your dad showing up I don't know if it was the Colts or the Ravens win But him just ripping the moonshine
3: Oh that was the Colts win
2: yeah, no, God. my father.
3: Uh, so, uh, who was the listener who provided us the moonshine? I can't remember. His I can't name. remember handle, and I apologize for not remembering it now. But somebody dropped off legit moonshine here for us. Legit and legit this stuff, moonshine. Like, like Chris did a whole shot. I did half a shot.
2: No, you did. I think you did a whole shot. I did a half, and I was out.
3: Chris woke up at ten a.m. the next day. He was like, "That wrecked me." It's. So my father shows up and just pours in a pint glass, takes a sip and goes, ah, it's straight gas, and then just proceeds to drink the rest of it. It was a great night. It was an epic night of celebrating football with my family who, like, that's what this whole thing has been about, is getting us all back together. This year was a culmination of a lot of things for me, both personally, I guess, I I, I don't know if you can call it professionally. And then we went on to win another playoff game. Head to the AFC title game. The fact that we got to have those conversations with people like Ken McCusick, Bruce Nolan, uh, Ryan Tracy from uh, the Chiefs. Chiefs. The fact that we got to be in that conversation, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's the kind of season that I think I can say we both thought would come a lot sooner when we started all this nonsense back in 2015. Right? Mm. Rex Ryan told us Mm. we were going.
2: Yeah, get ready. We're going to the playoffs.
3: And I also think I can speak for both of us when I say that it came maybe the peak of our podcasting abilities. So it's almost like a blessing in disguise. Who
2: has said that you're at a peak for podcasting? You still haven't learned the basics. (laughs) That I've tried to instill in you that I learned within my two to three years within radio.
3: And I never will.
2: No. And you're just going to have to accept No, that. I gave up on that after the first two years.
3: So that brings me to another portion of this show when we look back at this past year. So last week we did the Mocking the Mock show. And we got, I got some feedback from listeners that said we were too harsh. We made jokes at other people's expense that weren't nice. In the past few months, I've been told how many times. You've seen the notifications that I'm too attacking or that I need to tone your sarcasm down. I want you people to understand when we talk about this podcast, now that Chris and I have finally found our legs and really gotten into this, just to give you guys an idea of how we've become who we are and what we are, just as people, not even as podcasters, just as human beings. I, as a child, grew up watching the Friars Club roast with my grandfather and my uncle sitting on the couch, five, six, seven years old. Don Rickles
2: was my favorite. He, that guy was hysterical. Rickles is one of the best to ever live doing comedy and I love Rickles in dirty work in that movie theater scene where he just rips on Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang that like the I think he improvised those. no he
3: absolutely did he talked about it he said listen I went in there and I saw the script and I went to the writer and I go what do you actually do? because what do you actually do for a living? Because you didn't you you didn't write these lines. Like this, this isn't the work of a professional. So what do you actually do in your you know, in your free time like? <laughs> yeah. And then he went out there and improved that scene in Dirty Work because he believes in being mean to people that he likes, the people he knows enough about or cares enough
2: about to be mean to. Yeah, and when we you and I get in that space and a second week in a row that they get a shout out super mexican loves that about our friendship is that you rip on me? i'm wearing white jeans you've ripped on me all night about it i white pants what are we talking it's not labor day it's the summer i rip on you for your teeth your your face i'll tell you this This
3: is... It's shaped... Our our enjoyment of comedy has shaped how we interact with other human beings, right? Yeah. Or how we refer to things, or how we talk, and obviously how we podcast. I grew up thinking that Don Rickles' way of... He was best friends with Frank Sinatra, or at least very good friends with Frank Sinatra. And yet, every chance he got, he would bust balls and crack jokes. I remember the horror on my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Bowerline's face when I repeated a joke that Don Rickles had made about Frank Sinatra punching women. I just made a joke because I'd heard Don Rickles saying it was funny. So I said it in school and I got a note sent home. (laughs) Like this that's a problem, right? But it shaped how I see the world and what I find funny. And in that way, it's changed how we talk about things on this podcast and how how we relate. And so with that in mind, this past year was no exception. And over the last hundred episodes, we've had our fair share of sarcastic digs at people and things that even listening back to this all, it still makes me chuckle. I mean, Chris, first of all, go back to episode 210. This about WGR.
2: But uh, I do think a a lot less of you now that I know that you're an active ESPN radio listener. It's better than WGR. I would rather listen to GR than ESPN radio.
3: I'd rather listen to wind than (laughs) WGR. The sound of wind through a slightly cracked window. You know how it starts to make that drumming noise if you have the back windows closed? Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather listen to that.
2: That was Drew from episode 210.
3: I even took shots at training camp security even though they were only doing their jobs. You two are the only ones who know how embarrassing it was when I got accosted by security in my like one summer of having credentials. So I walked out to like the 20, like where the hashes are. I walked out to the hashes on this field. I don't know that that's the outdoor practice field or that that's the practice field the Bills are actually going to be using that day for the final day of training camp That's back in the 2017 season. So I walk out there, and I take a couple pictures. I have them framed up real nice. And I think to myself, I'm already on the 20. I might as well just cut across. Why go back? I'll just cut across. It's not the end of the world. Turns out I was wrong. It turns out I don't know I don't know anything. Because I was swiftly accosted by two members of security who then, literally, Ryan, the only thing they kept saying was, you can't walk on the field. And I was like, okay, I understand. <laughs> Here's why I did it. You can't walk on the field. I heard you. First time lurch. That's that's about the measure of it. Me getting accosted at because you can picture it. I'm sure you're smiling right now
2: as you're I don't <laughs> even know sure, what that means.
3: I'm sure you're picturing two lumberjacks just accosting me off of an NFL football field. Like literally, one had me around the waist, and another one was just yelling at me.
2: That seems about right.
3: <laughs> and even in that moment, I'm like, listen, you didn't all right, Lurch, get out of here. And they did, uh, trust me, they didn't appreciate it. No one appreciated it. We've got this one. It that that wasn't even me. This is you further proving that this is our dynamic. We were talking about the Chris Brown suspension. We were talking about a Chris Brown got suspended. He's the Bills guy. And yet, he gets suspended by the team for talking out of school about things that were going on at training camp
2: and you throw in this gem. The team laid out rules. I would, I would say. The team laid out rules. He I would, broke them. I would say yes, because I don't know all the ins and outs of those rules. Okay. So if, if I was, if I had, if I had known every rule that was laid out for the media while they attended training camp, then I might kind of understand the suspension. But, you know, you would you would think if anybody was going to get suspended, it would have been. Somebody else not employed by the team. And yet here we are. I mean, can't they suspend Sal Mariana for not being able to use Zoom correctly? (laughs) That's episode 227 of the Rockpile Report. People might remember during
3: the Zoom conference, this Zoom conferences, it was new training, training camp. For what? A,
2: yeah, you had to use Zoom to get on.
3: Yeah, dude, use Zoom to get access to the players. And Sal was the only one that day who couldn't figure
2: it out. No, like he, he was either could, he either like kept muting and unmuting himself. He couldn't. <laughs> he had nothing checked.
3: And, and they started making fun of him about it in the press conference. It's like this is yeah that that's maybe something. But I love that that's what you gravitate towards because you're just as petty as I am. One hundred percent. I also had this, I caught this quick one about Levi Wallace. Chris, I would rather sit through the notebook in a foreign language than have to re-watch Levi Wallace snap for snap on a Sunday. It was ugly. <laughs> I don't mince words when it comes to anything or anyone. And you don't either. This is what you had to say about me in episode 235. It was the first game where... There was an energy in the room. Other than just people sitting around, drinking,
2: eating, dip, having a good time. Let's let's correct that. There was an energy in the room. It was a positive energy. Because we weren't at your place. Which is filled with negative energy. What do you mean my place
1: is filled with negative energy? You live
2: there. Negative <laughs> energy. Negative energy.
1: <laughs> Are you saying
3: that coming into my house is like entering, like God, uh, like Castle Skull or... Some place of immense dread.
2: Yeah, it is. It just sucks the life out of you. (laughs) And yet you're there every Sunday. Well, yeah, because I have to be because of this. Yeah, that's your place. Negativity.
3: There was you in the aftermath of the Rams game. We were talking about being in Doug's garage in front of his giant TV. One of the best games of the end. I will say, if you think about exciting games of the Bills 2020 season and what we... Maybe one of the best podcasts we've
2: done is in the aftermath of that Rams game. I think that was one of the most more underrated games. A, it was early in the season, and we had like a twenty point lead. We did, we did, we channeled our inner Atlanta Falcons and dropped a lead to the Rams, <laughs> and then we won in the in the final minute because our
3: quarterback had finally figured out how to win, how to win when things were tight, and so in that way. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that, I think we've painted the picture, though. We've taken our fair share of shots, and I think it's what our listeners love about us. We've grown to the point where we can now just drink, talk a little smack about each other, about your white skinny jeans that you currently have on now. They're slim. slim. You have a watch
2: on. Yeah. What are you,
3: what, what are you checking the time for?
2: What? Why not? This goes with the outfit. It's a white watch. I hate you. Did you know how fashion works?
3: You're being fashionable in a kitchen where we're recording a
2: podcast. I saw my girlfriend earlier today. I got to look good for her. Oh, my God. I hope that she's just trolling you to
3: get you on the life insurance. And then she pushes you off a ladder one day. I'll totally support the move. But you see, folks, that's the type of thing. Sarcasm. I can dish it out. I can dish it out. I think that that's funny, and it's shaped the way I. If I don't make fun of you, I know the people who said that I was too harsh on people for the mocking the mock drafts thing, or that I attack people on Twitter too often. If I don't make fun of you, it means I probably don't know who you are. It means I don't regard you at all. It means that
2: you. What's the motto of a roast? We roast the ones we love.
3: Yes. And that's the way I remember my wife when she met my a group of my best friends for the very first time.
2: Please tell me it's Dave and Bob.
3: Oh, no. It was me, Davini Rizzo, Potter. They had helped me move into my apartment. And I was like, I'll buy the pizza and beer. Where this podcast originated? Yes. In that same kitchen. We're going. We're bringing this around full circle. And my wife walked in, and after about an hour and a half, she pulled me aside and she goes, "Are you sure you guys are actually friends? Because you guys are being real jerks to each other." And I said, "Honey, that's a sign of friendship. That is friendship to me. And if you can't do that, then it means I just don't regard you. Like I just I don't have anything to say to you, or I don't know you well enough to bust your balls about anything. I feel like it's integral for everybody to have that type of relationship with people."
2: Yeah, so with that, um Yeah, Drew, three hundred episodes in the can. If you're expecting me to say how I feel about getting to three hundred episodes, you know that's not true, right? I me expressing my feelings. Oh yeah, of, no, you're a you're a, about this I will I will say that You and I both had the same idea of this, of what we're about to play, except I will say... Oh, is this happening? I'm sure there's people out there that listen to this on the regular and are, I wonder what Drew and Chris argue about off air. This is one of those things where I'm about to play you something, I had the idea Drew had the idea. We didn't run it by each other because I was <laughs> my my whole thing was. Is this happening right now? Hap- yeah, my whole thing was. Oh, look like at on Christmas. My thing was well. It's easier to make fun of Drew than me because you, you come if between you and me on this podcast, who has more likability? It's a hundred percent me. <laughs> You're somebody that's easily, easily hateable. So we had the the same idea. And this is what we argue about the most off air is Drew had the idea and messaged people about it yesterday. I had the idea. I messaged people a week ago about this. (laughs) Drew's idea that I can as and this is probably a disconnect from you not knowing the production side of things which we've had throughout this episode that nobody's heard because it's off air. Oh, for sure. Because there's a bunch of clips that we played. We destroyed this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a, a ton of clips that have to be played and, you know, it when production pieces I uh, have to get made on my end, Drew to me when you're like, "Oh yeah, I'll just ask people." Yeah, I for- think I can just Yeah, it 40, happen. 48 hours before we record like, "Oh yeah, this is just it takes 10 minutes." No, it doesn't. I have to to find audio or ask people for audio, mix it together, piece it together, listen to all to everything that I have, piece it together, and order it in how I, I should order it. But as we close out the 300th episode of the Rockpile Report, I have... Because I can't explain to you what this means to me 300 episodes. I cannot believe, I honestly cannot believe that we're at 300 episodes. So, the best that I could do is I reached out to some of our friends and I asked them to talk about Drew as a person and a podcast host. And so, we're going to start with the person that, uh, oddly enough, failed to do the directions first which is Greg Thompson of Cover One Buffalo, the podcast.
1: 300, wow. I just This kind of accomplishment should be recognized. The perseverance, working through tough early times, just the pure passion to fight through even when it was terrible to watch. Of course, I'm talking about the fans' ability to tolerate Drew for 300 shows. It's just incredible and should be celebrated throughout the land. Congratulations, guys. I can't believe you did it. No, seriously, I I can't believe it. Hey, everyone. Paul Wineski from Hashtag Sports, a proud Rock Pile Report guest alum. And over my time, I've learned many things about Drew Gear. First off, I want to point out that I can tell you that Drew's Internet search history is the definition of a wasteland. There's absolutely nothing useful that comes out of it. You will be less of a human being for having seen anything or any results of that. Don't ask. It is, a, it is what you would imagine it to be, probably worse. Second was, as a guest, and I used to be able to get away with this when we did interviews over the phone, it's real easy to poke the gorilla and get him on a diatribe about something. I'd piss him off, and then off he would go. And I knew I had between 8 to 12 minutes to get anything around the house done that I needed to. It was kind of nice. Chris, congratulations on 300 episodes. That's a perfect game in bowling. Downside, that's just one game. A set is three games, 600 more episodes to go my man hey guys it's ryan from rock sports network i was asked to say something about drew for the show's 300th episode but what do you say about a guy like drew no seriously what do you say do you focus on his teeth that can shred aluminum cans like paper or what about his odd fascination with forcing people to look at him while he's wearing a speedo oh how about how he's reminding everyone that he's a bill's season ticket holder at the beginning of every show like we get it dude you've got season tickets it doesn't make your drunken rambling suddenly make sense How about how he gives his take, whether you want it or not, and he doesn't pay any mind to whether people agree or disagree. But that's what makes Drew, Drew. He's a great guy who's genuinely, unapologetically honest. And in a world where social media status means way more than it should, being a podcaster who's genuine and honest, that makes Drew a unicorn. A drunken, barbecue-eating unicorn, but still a unicorn. So congrats to Drew and Chris for 300 episodes. I'm sure Drew's going to make everyone listen to 300 more. And I can't wait.
5: Hey, Andrew, it's your wife here to talk about 300 episodes. You know, every little girl lays in bed at night dreaming that one day she might be married to the host of one of the top 20 Buffalo Bills podcasts. And I'm lucky enough to say that that dream is my reality. And if I ever lose sight of that, you remind me of it every single day after work during dinner and pretty much just until we fall asleep every day you bring people that you met on twitter into our home chris is constantly videotaping you for gifts and when my life is finally quiet for a few hours one night a week you wake me up and tell me that you're not drunk from recording the podcast in all seriousness, no, darling, when you told me six years ago that Chris came to you with this idea, I thought it was kind of dorky. So I'm here to tell you now, 300 episodes later, it's still dorky.
1: <laughs>
3: I love a good roast, and that was amazing. Chris, this might have been one of the best things you've ever put together.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's when you plan ahead and not try to do it 48 hours <laughs> in advance. You know, I reach out to. My wife! I reach she out gets And you know what? She's not wrong. None of them are. I was most surprised that you. I guess when you're going to go home tonight and you're going to like wake her up and go,
3: honey, I'm not drunk. Hey, honey, I haven't had that much to drink. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it's all going to be fine. Listen. <sighs> I, I hear this, and I love it because, like I said, I'm a fan of this kind of comedy. I love roasts. I love honesty. And
2: all of it is honest. Right? Yeah. yeah. I the, the For me, the best, because it's something that I came up with in the beginning that Ryan Lasel from Rock Sports Network uh, touched on is the Bill's season ticket holder. To me, that gave... I came up with that idea of you saying that, like, you should say that, well, because you throw in your hard-earned money to have season tickets, you're there every game, you, it's a, a little bit of a symbol that you throw your money at this, so you care a lot about it. That's how I look at it. Here's
3: how I look at this. All of these people care enough that they took time out of their day
2: to talk trash, and to me, that means the world. I think Greg cut his while he was getting his hair part fixed.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love how we can still talk. Still talk smack. It's just crazy to me. Like hearing that from all these different people and just sitting here thinking about what all this means. I mean, it's crazy. After all these years, we're still here. Two of two just painfully unsophisticated elder statesmen of a Bills podcasting movement that's exploded as the team's gotten more successful into an amazing community of content creators. And along the way, we've discussed, lamented, and celebrated milestones in our personal lives and in our lives as Bills fans with each other and with everybody who's listening to this podcast right now. And so I guess with that in mind, I'm gonna raise my, I'm gonna raise my beer. I'm going to say that I'm confident that the best for all of us is still yet to come. And that we're going to be here with a few hundred more episodes to celebrate it with everybody. Chris? Cheers. Cheers. And we got to get the hell out of here. Thank you to everybody who participated in tonight's show. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger, And this has been the 300th episode of the Rock Powell Report.